You can be seated again to all the fathers yell, happy Father's Day, y'all. And listen, we, 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 we get the weekend too, y'all. It ain't just the women that get Mother's Day for a month. We, we at least get the weekend, so. Now listen, how many fathers, uh, how many of you here that's a father that love the Lord Jesus Christ and you love your church home? Good. I got a raccoon in my attic. Um, yeah, guys, he done broke in, and I need a, I need a, I need a, a strong, someone who got courage in the Lord. I told, I told my wife, I said, I don't have a problem getting a critter out, but when you're going head first in the dark and you know it's a raccoon, she said, just go up there. I said, it's dark. Call I, I had my, one of my, one of my, my yeah, you know, I, that's what I said. Yep. Listen, God's, I, I was praying about it. God said, Jabin. I said, okay. I said, come on, man. God said, Jabin, Jabin going to get that raccoon in the name of Jesus. Listen, I was, I, I was scared when it was a squirrel. I just don't like going head first into the dark. I, if I'm going in like this and he's over, he can see me and I can't see him, it's not happening. I told, my, I told one of my, my friends, I said, man, it's, it's a, it's a, I, think it's, I knew it was a raccoon, but I, said, I think it's a bunny. Just go on up there. So I need one of those good godly men to come over. I said, love day pastor. I said, pastor, you got a calling on your life. I don't want you to be scratched up. Come, no, I'm kidding. We're going to call somebody. Yeah, I'm going to call somebody. Amen. Well, listen, Father's Day, I'm so excited about being able to get into this tonight because, you know, I am one of those people that absolutely believe in the role of a father. Um. And it is Father's Day. It's not Men's Day. Come on. Come on. Which is very important. You know, as my wife said a minute ago, some of you know my upbringing. I've shared, if you've been a member here for any amount of time, I've shared some of the things throughout the sermons and different occasions about growing up without a father being present um, in my life and the things that happens through all of that. Um, And so it is... It is absolutely necessary, I'm telling you from experience, as a son who grew up in a home to where my mother did the absolute best she could do. I mean, it's, it's hard raising as many boys as she had. Um, we, we was very poor. Um, my, my buddy Don Brown is here. He was with us. You know, I, when did I meet you? About 14, 15 years old, somewhere in there? Something like that. So he's had the privilege of kind of seeing some of it. And, you know, it just, it, we just had a rough time. Some of the neighborhoods we grew up in, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't <clears throat> the neighborhoods you really want to grow up in, but it taught us a lot. And my mom did the best that she could do. And she's a strong woman. And when she come to the Lord, she completely changed her entire life. She radically left the world and went fully into the kingdom. And... It was a blessing because it taught us how to build a relationship with Christ. And that was one of the things that I can can honestly say, if I did not have that modeled to us, I probably would not be standing here at this moment. Um, it, It really was something that has really been effective and changed the trajectory of my life. And so I'm thankful for strong women However, it was never God's design. It doesn't matter how strong a woman is, you can never replace a father. That's 
We live in a world today to where uh, they think that, you know, that can happen. It absolutely cannot happen. It would not even be attempted if fathers was in place. The reason why you have that that's happening in the world today is because it is only natural for us to fill the void. It's only natural for us to fill the void. And so what we're seeing is a lot of counterfeits. But nothing replaces a father. And tonight I want to unapologetically talk about dads, the importance of fathers. And some of us, it's a touchy subject because you grew up like me. But, you know, you have to confront things in order for healing to take place. Growth cannot happen absent of confrontation. And when you, when you stop confronting things, not only do you stop growing, you're not just avoiding pain, you're avoiding purpose. Because you can never get to what God has assigned you to do if you do not confront the necessary things. And even though it may hurt for a season, listen, joy comes in the morning. Um, the beauty, the beauty of, of, the beauty of change is that, you know, or pain, excuse me, is that pain produces something. Pain comes with an outcome. Pain isn't just purposeless. Pain absolutely is causing change in your life. When you face something, when you're in the gym and you're working out and you're on that last set and you've went to fail, you can't get it up and you're struggling and then you need help. To finish the set you better believe that even though you can sit there and get down on yourself because you couldn't get the last rep up you better believe that you are conditioning your muscles to change failure is very important it's the goal of anybody who works out come on now I told you last week that unbelief has killed far more dreams than failure ever did Failure is something God uses to equip you. There's certain revelation you will not allow yourself to come into in God until failure is present. Some of us have never embraced grace until we failed. Amen, somebody. God uses failure to humble us. Amen. Come on now. Some of you, some of you don't know what it's like yet to really live up under the grace of God and know that it's only by grace that you're even doing what you're doing. Amen, somebody. So I want to talk about fathers today, not baby makers, fathers. Amen, somebody. Not talking about baby makers. There's a lot of people that do that. I'm talking about fathers, people that when they're intimate, it's married to responsibility. Amen, somebody. Intimate, but responsible knowing that there's fruit coming out of this intimacy. And so we are, we are privileged tonight. So my greatest thing that I've ever, ever accomplished in my life by far, the biggest, the, the most impressive title that I hold dear is dad. It's not apostle, it's not pastor, it's not whatever people choose to call you. Dad is the most important role that I have in my life. And I've learned more about my sonship by being a dad yeah. yes, sir. than ever before. 
Um, and so we're going to get into this. I'm going to go to John 15, 9. Y'all ready? Yeah. All right. Now, you say, well, I'm a woman. Is this going to minister to me? Absolutely. I'm about to show you what you're looking for. I'm about to show you exactly what you need and what you should be looking for. Amen, somebody? And so John 15, now, we're going to get into a few things here, okay? Let's go here. Let's read, Pastor Tim. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Right there. As the Father has loved me, this is, this is very important. This is Jesus talking. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And then he said what? Continue in my love. In other words... He's saying, we model how we have been loved. Jesus is saying, just like dad loved me. You know, how many have heard of the term, it's the he, uh, Hebraic term, uh, actually it may be uh, Aramaic, Abba. How many have heard of Abba? It just means father, right? You never see that term anywhere in the Old Testament. You only see that revealed in Christ where he comes to the scene, and it may be something that we've heard in church a lot, but if you really think about it deeply, nobody revealed God as a father. I often hear people, how many know you did a lot of mess on social media? In some ways, it's made us a lot worse. But I hear people say, I can't go to no church, but they're calling God daddy, daddy, daddy. And it cracks, it, it, it sometimes it just makes me laugh. Like, it may seem weak to an immature spirit. But that's what he is, and that's what he chooses to be defined as. As father, as dad, as Abba. That's what he is. It's, it's so imperative to transition from just seeing him as a deity to seeing him as personal. To know that God is absolutely infatuated with you. That he's been with you through every mistake, every cycle, every failure. Everything that you deem negative about yourself. God is not just seeing it, but chooses to remain in it to love you through it. This is very, very imperative that we get this. Because if you do life from any other angle, you're going to miss the entire purpose of what God's trying to do in your life. The love of God is the most radical force on the planet. And we have to start seeing him as Abba. And so Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so I loved you. So in other words, the way that we are loved by the Father is the way that we will love other people. Now translate that. This is, this is very important because if you grew up in a home where your father did not show affection to you, no wonder you're not affectionate with your kids. No wonder you're, fa you're fathering them from the same model they fathered you. If they was a tyrant, you're a tyrant. Why? You're modeling it. It's the way you was loved. It's good to have discipline, but if it's not mixed... With nurturing, you're in trouble. You're not a sergeant, you're a daddy. Yeah. You know you're going too far on the discipline side if they're afraid to come and tell you when they failed. Yeah. You should not only be a disciplinary, you should be a safe place. This is so important. This is why people, and this is why people have a hard time coming to God 
open and naked about the issues that they have. There's nothing you can tell him he doesn't already know. But getting you to a place of comfortability to say, hey, this is how I feel. Because when you can express it to God, you'll start being more vulnerable with people. There is more ministry in you being vulnerable than you preaching all your strengths. I, I, can't, I can't do much with all of your strengths. Your ministry is not your highlights. Pastor Ken uh, is like a father to me now. He's, we've really grown close over the last several years, probably the last decade. And, you know, I tell people, he's not the greatest preacher I've ever heard. He's funny. He'll crack you up. But I've heard a lot of people that can preach a lot better. I've heard teachers that are a lot better. I haven't really met a better father. I was with him today. Took him out to breakfast this morning just to bless him. And I told Shawnee, when life starts getting hectic to me, one of the things I love to do is drive to Brighton. If you've ever been downtown Brighton, there's a, a nice little uh, pond that they got walkway. It's beautiful. You just walk across, and everybody's friendly, you know, they're all friendly. They all got coffee in the mornings. They're walking their dogs or whatever they got, seagulls flying around. You know, it's just an atmosphere of peace. And so I'm walking, and I usually just talk to him about the little things. Usually we end up talking about his dad. His dad has a little plaque there because he was in the, the war, and so they put a plaque down there, and we usually go and walk to his dad's plaque, and we sit there and we talk about how faithful his dad was. And, and all of these things, and he'll just start sharing. It's funny that when I honor him as a father, all I get back from is, is his sonship. He just starts talking about how he wants to be a son again. And that's exactly what makes him a good father. And it is so important to me to have those moments with him to where he's not giving me an exegesis on Revelation 11. But he's, he's just talking about life with me. And to me, that is deeper and holds more worth than anything else. I could sit with a million preachers. I would rather walk around the lake with him because it does more for me as a son. And it's teaching me how to be a better man, how to be more fatherly. Uh, I'm learning. Our relationship's growing so close that I'm learning. I'm starting to... I'm, I'm, start, I, I'm starting to get so intimate in that relationship that even in his silence, I can sense correction. It's like fishing. When a fish don't bite, what's the first thing that you do? You hit another spot, right? You pull in, you reel. They're not biting in that spot, and you start throwing somewhere else. But it teaches you their inability to respond to the bait tells me I'm in the wrong spot. Their silence is teaching me something. It's saying something. Silence is never really si silence. And when you're intimate like that, when, when I say something or I engage in something and I notice that he's silent or he's not responsive in that, it tells me that he either wants to change the subject, which says something to me that maybe I shouldn't be addressing this right now, or that I'm seeing this wrong and he doesn't feel I'm in position to be corrected. Y'all, this is, this is stuff we need tonight. The silence of a father matters because sometimes their discernment is so key 
They'll, they'll say something or I'll say something to them or something will be said and the father will, he'll discern maybe that what they're saying is wrong, but they're not in a posture right now to be corrected by me. So I'm just going to be silent. I'll let them talk, but I don't want to engage. But then as soon as my posture changes, now he wants to talk about it. Why? Because I'm adjustable. That's good. Learn from the silence of people who walk in authority in your life. Amen. Once you give them authority through relationship, trust it. Trust it. The beauty of a father is that it is authoritative. It's authoritative. Authority is not a bad thing. It is a good thing to you and to me. You need people in your life that can speak with authority concerning you. When they talk to you, when they, when they say something, it may not always feel good. But you have, by relationship, given them access to you. And if you call them who, what, father or pastor or leader, anything that they are as an authority figure, listen. Because once your heart connects with them, that means God now has access to speak through them to you. How many times have I told you relationship, rules without relationship breed rebellion? But the relationship is key. Are you with me? So everybody say this. We model how we've been loved. And so if you have been in a relationship that has been toxic with your father, it's, that's, I, I was there. It's, it's, you can break it. You can break the cycle. This is the beauty of your heavenly father is he can father you even in your dysfunctions and teach you how to accurately love people, love who you are responsible to love. Amen? So Ephesians 6.4, look at here. I'm going to show you some things about, about dads here. Look at, what, look what it says here. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. What it is, what it, first word, what? Fathers. So we're not talking about women here. We're talking about the function of a father. Now watch what happens. Don't provoke them to anger. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Right there. Bring them up. Key word here, discipline. Discipline does not mean spankings. Not that, listen, my kids get disciplined. Nowadays, you'll get them right by taking the tablet away more than you ever will spanking them. If I want Kay to throw a fit, take that tablet. She'll, she'll be like, yes, Dad, I'll clean the whole house. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord, right? Fathers are meant to establish discipline in the lives of their children. Lives of their children. The society that we live in today, can I just preach it like I feel it? The society that we live in today is weak. It is weak. It really is weak. Some of the things that we are tolerating is because of a lack of identity, and it's because of a lack of fathering, real fathering. So how do you know you're an orphan-hearted person? Soon as correction comes into your world, you run. That is a true sign you are orphan-hearted. 
If, if leaders that God assigned in your life comes with correction and your first instinct is to run, it's because you have not been fathered correctly. You have not been fathered correctly. God, this is why God, when you're talking about relationships, he uses this little word that we don't like to say no more, covenant. What does covenant do? It keeps you in the room even when you're uncomfortable. That's what a covenant does. I don't feel like being this today, but, man, I can't get out of it. Why? Because I am covenant. I am in covenant. It keeps me face to face. It keeps me from running from necessary conversations. It keeps me from running from necessary uh, things that that need to be ironed out. You can't keep running and expect to become what God wants you to be. Covenant. This is good teaching tonight. And so a father's job is to discipline. The other day, man... Good thing we got children's church tonight because I've got some stories. Um, the other day, me and Don, we went out to grab some, uh, some Mexican food. Amen. <laughs> I love some good Mexican food. And I only know two words, but I walk in like, I'm like, listen, <laughs> senorita. <laughs> Gracias. I, I sound more like Mario than... <laughs> Now they and then and then they go if they start going off I'm like oh, I'm like because I don't want them to know I don't know what they're saying but that that then they bring out the wrong stuff so we're in there the other day well Kay gets upset about something well I told her I said you need to put down the tablet and I, something I gave her instructions she decided she wasn't going to listen and do things well I, I said Kay. One of the things I always say to my kids is, you're going down the wrong road. It's about to be snap, crackle, pop. You guys remember that cereal? Snap, crackle, pop. That's my saying in my house, snap, crackle, and pop. Because I'm going to snap. You're going to crackle after I pop. So, <laughs> so I'm looking at her, and it's, she just kept going. So I walk around, get out my chair. As soon as I get out my chair, she does exactly what I'm doing. What I want, want to do, she gets off and like, I'm off. No, 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 you're too late now. Grab her. I said, come on, we're going to the bathroom. We're going to senoritas. We're walking over here. <laughs> we walk into the bathroom. I get, and listen, all the way to the bathroom, she was, it, it was so cute because I used to do it in church when my mom would light me up in church. She was, she was, what, what, she, she was walking like, what, nothing wrong. I'm just walking with my dad. But she knew where we was going, like the strength that she was showing to the, all the way to the dungeon. It was, it was beautiful, and I just watched her. She was like, because she, she wanted everybody else to know, to not know what was going to happen. Once we got in that door shut, she went, Dad, Dad. I said, Kay, I told you, Dad, there's somebody in here. I said, Kay, because she's so sincere, and she's, she's, she, she's, she gets that from her, that, that thinking through things. And, and uh so I said, Kay, ooh. And when she looked at me, she said, I won't do it again. I said, oh, girl. So now, she, now I didn't even spank her. Now she wants to come out. Now, now I'm trying to get back to the table to eat. She don't want to come out the bathroom. She said, wait, wait. Trying to get her face together. <laughs> so I said, you better come out. So I walk out first, but I stand around the corner to watch her. I see her come out like this. Like, like I said, it looked like she was disciplined. But that's what dads do. 
I didn't embarrass her. I knew she was scared to death once she got in there. Now, regardless of how you feel about how you discipline your kids, she got the message very clear that when I said, I'm not playing, but my job, I didn't, also did not want to embarrass her. I wanted to discipline her, right? It's not my job to embarrass her, but it is my job to discipline her. And so I took her in there, and we worked it out. You know, she was giggles and all day, you know, wanting to do everything that, that I asked her to do. But it is, it is my job as a father to show affection, but at the same time, I need to discipline you. Why? Because I care about your future. This is the beauty of a father. Our emotional makeup is different than women. It's very different than women. We are emotional, probably just as emotional as women. I'd have to talk with Candace about the difference in the psychology side of it. But we, 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 we manifest them different as men. And it is so important to understand that my job as a father is to not let her or my kids get caught up in just the emotions and just the feelings of how they feel. My job is to go beyond their emotions and to be able to set them on a path to where they are going to connect with reality. I can't be so cuddly all the time that there's no discipline setting them to the future. But you also can't be the, like the sergeant all the time and there's never no affection. A good father tries his best to have a balance. And that balance comes from the way we have been loved by the Father. Amen, somebody. So this is very important. So look at here. I want you to write this down, and, and, and we're about to get into the meat here. A father's love allows emotions to express itself, but uses discipline to correct. Okay, this is simple, but it is true. A father will allow emotions to, listen, fellas, if you're a father in here, and, and your kids are afraid to talk to you, there's something wrong with you. Jesus told the disciples, suffer not the children to come. When kids want to be around you, that's because there's something genuine there. I love kids because kids, kids tell it like it is. They tell it like it is. They don't want to be around nobody mean. If you mean all the time, you are not going to have a lot of kids. The fact that kids followed Jesus says something about his nature. Amen, somebody. See, oftentimes we think Jesus says this guy getting up there, blessed is the poor. No, 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 that's because you're, th th this, th <laughs> we always read with our tone. We always read with our tone. I love how, how many got the Bible app? Now, how many ever, like, I love to go to sleep listening to the Bible app. And so if you listen to NIV, which has got a lot more these and those and stuff like that, and it, the, the guy speaking, he'll say, blessed are the poor. But if you go to the Message Bible, the, the whole tone changes. Blessed are the poor. And it's, it's almost like he's speaking from a revelation of love. His tone changes. And so it's imperative to know that Jesus is somebody that kids like. So he is a true, true model of what the Father and how the Father loves us. Amen. So, so watch this. You, you, know, you know the old saying that um, it says, all throughout the Old Testament, he said, I've given you a, I'm, I'm going to say to you a hard saying. Notice it didn't say, I'm giving you a hard hearing. 
It's not hard to hear. It's hard to say. Why? Because even in a necessary rebuke, a father's heart doesn't want to hurt you. Not when he has the right heart. If, if, if it's real easy for you to just check, check somebody, there may be something wrong with your heart. It shouldn't be that easy to just go off on somebody. Well, they need the truth. It didn't say speak the truth with love. It said speak the truth in love. You should be in love with the individual. And when you are truly in love with somebody, it comes out with caution. It comes out with grace. You often take time to figure out how to say it so it doesn't get interpreted the wrong way. Why? Because your heart's in the right place. You're going to say it because it needs to be said, but there is a grace on it. Amen, somebody. Fathering is a major thing because it's shaping the psyche and the emotions of our kids, which are the next generation. And so th th this is so important. So look at here. I put this down, write this down too if you're taking notes. A father is meant to show that real, excuse me, a father is meant to show that real strength serves. If you was to ask my kids right now, every day Haven gets up and feels dad's bicep. Every day. And I come, every time I pick her up from school, there's some little kid there that thinks he's going to beat me up. And then I pick him up like this, and that's all they talk about for two weeks. Oh, my God, Haven's dad is strong. Well, I am strong to a 10-year-old. <laughs> you know, I'm huge. But the reality is she sees dad as bulletproof, as strong. Like there's, when she's in my presence, she feels very safe, very safe. And she should feel safe because I would do anything to protect her. But at the same time, it's very important that now that she sees me as strength, that she sees strength serve. Because if you're not using your strength to serve, it's not real strength. You're strong, but it's not strength. God didn't make us the stronger vessel to show off. He made us a stronger vessel to uphold, to get up under and say, this is, we're going to build this, and I'm going to use this to lift it all up. It's never about us. We have too many men that are living selfish. They, they, they're living self. They're not thinking about their family. They're not thinking about their kids. They're not doing any of this stuff. And it, what, what's happening, and it kills me. Some of these same men that are, that are not willing to be fathers are downtown marching about other stuff. Dude, you want to change the world? It starts at home, man. It starts at home. You can march all day long, but you need to take care of your responsibilities. Come on, somebody. You need to take care of your responsibilities. How you, you want to change the world? Raise your kids with love. Be present. Be present with them. Love them. Teach them what it's like to, to, to have affection. Teach them what it's like to have faithfulness, integrity, a good name. Hard work ethic. Amen, somebody. Amen. Teach them to get up early. Teach them to, to be responsible. Teach them to love their mothers, honor their mothers. Don't let, don't let them talk to your wife any type of way. Yeah. You're raising a man or a woman. Right. You are what they're going to pick in a different form. Yeah. Yeah. I want my baby to get a good man. Start being one. You need to model it. You need to model it. Amen, somebody. Amen. 
Quit running away from your failures. Start owning them. Teach them. Because I'm telling you, man, one of the things that I love uh, uh, about Pastor Ken, I'll never forget, like a year ago, one of the things he told me, uh, something that was very personal. He said, I I've never told that to nobody. And he said, I hope it don't make you see me different. I said, man, it, it, does, make me see, it make, does make me see you different. It makes me respect you even more. Because now I know that I'm not crazy for having struggles. Because I respect you so much and to see that you can still have something that God's dealing with you on lets me know I got hope. Because a lot, we often look at fathers like they got it all figured out. It's good to just know that they're human enough to tell you, listen, man, I'm dependent on grace too. <laughs> you may not have it all figured out by the time you get to my age. But you know what? I'm telling you, we can do this together. We love one another right. Fathering is everything. The breakdown of society is because of a lack of fathers. The stuff we are seeing in society today, we would not see if fathers were present. Little statistic for you. Google this when you get home. And this is major. Do you know what the, the number one community in the world that has fatherlessness? Black America. It's over 52%. Second is the Hispanic society. A lack of fathers is a lack of strength. Yeah. Amen. This is very important because I'm, I'm trying to wake you up. You want to change the world? It don't start at an altar. It starts in a kitchen. It starts in a basement. It starts in a room. Starts in a garage. It starts with a lawnmower. It starts with an ice cream cone. It starts with a walk at night. It starts with, with tucking them in at night. It's a privilege. My kids go to bed and they, they want mommy and daddy to tuck them in. That is a privilege. That means that, that means I carry authority because if I'm in there, the monsters can't get them. Why? Because dad means something. It tells me that no matter what they fear... They're, the way they view me is stronger than anything they fear because if I'm in the room, it diminishes the fear. <laughs> or they wouldn't call me in trouble. Whew. This okay? <sighs> Go to Matthew 3, verse 13. I'm almost done. Come on, everybody say, Fathers matter. And if you didn't have a father like me growing up, don't be condemned tonight. Be encouraged that you can change the, change the generational curse. You can change it. Look at here, Jesus. Uh, verse 13, let's read, Pastor. Then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For this is step one in fathering. I love this. Who was the greater amongst John and Jesus? Come on, Jesus, right? Everybody say Jesus. John says, it's got to be uncomfortable for him to come and say, I want to be baptized. That's really, that's like Bishop Jake showing up to my church to hear me preach. Like, dude, got a call, man. Gotta let me know you're coming. <laughs> Give me a couple more weeks. 
It's a little intimidating. I probably wouldn't be intimidated because I'm confident in who I am. But there was a period of time to where somebody that you'll recognize that grace. And it, it, it's intimidating. It's like, man, it's like if, you know, somebody comes into your your business that is doing your business way better than you. It's a little intimidating. You start getting a little self-conscious. Right. Jesus shows up and he made he allows John to baptize him, which automatically shows humility. That's what real leaders do. They know when to lead by submission. Real fathers don't always stand as if they have all the answers. They just stand in support of. Amen. This is important. If, you got, if you're the guy that's got all the answers all the time, something's wrong. Something's wrong. I, I want you to also know. That's often why when I have the pastors in this house preach. I honestly sit there like a student. I'm not sitting there just critiquing everything they're doing, like, oh, they could have done this, that. And maybe they say something that they're developing in or growing in. And, and they'll often come to me and say, Pastor, could I have said this or whatever? And I'll think about it. But I'm not, I'm, stand, I'm sitting there as a student because my job is to get you comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not against you, I'm for you. Okay. I need you to win because when you win, we win. And so this is very important. So look at here. He says, I'm the one who needs to be baptized, not you. But Jesus insisted. He said, do it. God's work, putting things right all these centuries. I'm reading, go ahead and read all that translation there. But Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold. Now listen here very carefully. Watch this. Something that we've missed a lot. I'm pretty sure a lot of us ain't seen this. The heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God okay, descending. Okay, slow, slow down. Read that again. The heavens were what? The heavens were open to him. And? And he saw. And he did not say they. And he saw. The heavens open and the voice from heaven that said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Nobody else heard that. It said he saw it. He heard it. Not they. I've heard this preached a hundred times. It's, it's he is the one that's seen it. When the father affirms you, the only person that needs to hear it is you. You don't need for them to hear it. You know you're walking in identity when his approval is enough because why if you keep reading the next passage as he goes into the wilderness led of the spirit tempted by the enemy what they believe about you is not going to get you through that they're not with you in that trial it's got to be what he told you about you come on somebody when the father's job is to bring identity. I love our mothers, but your job is not to bring identity. That's my job. Identity comes from the father. It does not come from the mother. Their job is to nurture you. And oftentimes women will make the mistake of nurture, 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 nurture. And they're raising an emotional person that don't know how to deal with life. You tripping about all the stupid stuff in life. Why? You was raised by women. You need a man. Say, man, man up. Now it's time. You cried. Get up. Joy comes in the morning, but you got to get to the morning. You're still stuck in the night. Get up. Amen. You need that. God designed that. 
There's a reason why he said man and woman. That's the reason why his design works. It works for a reason. You should have a balance. I often, and listen, I don't want to throw no punches. And I believe in women preachers and pastors, and I believe that there's no gender in the spirit. Paul said that. But I have yet to experience, most of the time when Shawnee and I meet women pastors or women that are the headship in the house, a lot of times, and I can't say, maybe there's one that I can think of off the top of my head, but over the years I typically see an extreme imbalance because what happens is they're trying to prove themselves worthy of the authority and what they do is the pendulum swings all the way to the other side. And what happens is it be, they become an authoritative agent. And, and, and every, I mean, they got everybody in the ministry walking in line, you know. But, but the problem is that's not real authority. You're making the same mistake that some men make when they're insecure. Real authority, real authority serves people into purpose. It doesn't point you in a direction. It says, come follow me. It serves. It walks with you. It's, it's personal. It's personable. It's relational. There's stuff I know. I pastor you guys, so I know your stories. There's stuff I know about you. Well, you ain't said nothing. Exactly. It's not time. I can tell you this, I love you still. Tell you this, it didn't change the way I see you. I promise you, I got your back. And I promise you, we're going to get through it. Because I love you. The relationship is more important to me. Stuff happens in life, but fathers do not abandon. We're weight bearers. Why we got big shoulders? We bear weight. You know, that's what we do. Come on, somebody. This okay? Amen. So the father, Jesus saw this. Jesus heard the voice. A father's voice matters. A father's voice matters. You need to understand the father is standing in a position of love and approval over your life. He loves you. He loves you. Unconditionally. You got to understand, God doesn't just have love for you, but he is love. He can't operate any other way. It's who he is. But love has discipline, and love has correction. Now, some will say, well, I feel like God's punishing me. Do not mistake. Hang on a sec. It's Father's Day. Give him some love. That guy, he's going somewhere. <laughs> um, but it's... Never mistake pruning for punishment. Don't mistake pruning for punishment. They may feel the same sometimes. But the Father's not just standing over you with, with this wrath thing trying to crush your world because you didn't live up to a part. He's a Father. He's trying to love you, and he corrects you so that you can experience the life he intended for you to experience. 
He wants you to have that life. And so I want you to know tonight, guys, if you grew up like me without the benefit of having a father, without, without having some of these things in your life, I want you to know that you can break the cycle. Whatever failures that you've got operating in your life, whatever lack of disciplines, whatever is going on in your world, you can break the cycle right now. Someone said to me, you know, years ago, man, she, she keep tripping, man. Every time I said, I well, man, listen, usually your marriage is a reflection of what you are entertaining. As men, when we entertain the right things and we're walking in a way that pleases the Lord, you'll be amazed. You do not have to tell your wife to submit. It will be a natural response to safety. Ain't that right, babe? If you have to say submit, it's because you've not provided a place to where submission makes sense. If you're not living your life within the purpose, a submission, mission, if you don't even have a sense of the mission that God put on your life, what is she supposed to submit to? What is she submitting to? You're not walking in any purpose. It's like pulling teeth just to get you to be in the house of the Lord. The church is absolutely needed. And it's so imperative that we as men, we understand our value in the community and the value of our leadership, the value of our influence, the value of our approval. It's so important. I love uh, my kids, man. They, we, they got bikes, whether it's been the, you know, riding the bike, whether it's been anything that they've done throughout the years. We get them trampolines, toys, all this stuff. And when they start doing it, what's the first thing that they want to do as soon as they start learning something new? What's the first thing they always say? Look, Dad. Look, Dad. Look what I can do, Dad. Why does that matter? Why? Because I'm Dad. And there's such a connection here between me and them. They want to, they, they are looking for my approval. And what I'm trying to get to you is that there is a lot of people living life absent of the father's approval right now. You've never heard your father. There's so many people in here. Is there anybody in here that would be vulnerable with me that say, I've never heard my father say, I love you? Look at this. That, that, that's, that's, that's crazy. That's crazy to me. Have you, anybody here can say, I've never heard my father say, I'm proud of you. <laughs> you know that affects your psyche. It affects your psyche. Because when a father says, I love you and I'm proud of you, you know what it translates to a son? Is I see you. It's not just words, it's I see. Remember Avatar? I see you. I see you. It's a deeper sense of knowing each other. The beauty of having a father in your life is that you get a glimpse of your future when done right. Some of you, well, I've got this many years left. Why would you say that? Because you're judging it based off of the life of your parent. 
If they live this, then around that time is when I'm expecting to go to. Why? Because that's the way we, we're conditioned to, to view things, right? You see a glimpse of your future in your parents. And it is so imperative to have this relationship to where it's, it's flowing the way God intended. Fellas, listen to me. The first command that God gave Adam was to steward the garden. His first command was literally to till the garden. God said, I can't send rain until there's a man there to till the garden, right? The first responsibility of any man is to become a gardener. And what does a gardener do? A gardener prepares the soil so that seed can actually live. We have way more than enough seed in the body of Christ. We just have terrible gardens. The problem isn't the seed, it's the soil. Why? Because when you take the gardeners out of the picture, Jesus came back, and what's the first thing they seen in the resurrection, Jabin? Mary showed up and seen this man standing there in all white, and she perceived him to be a what? A gardener. Because that's what fathers do. The dirty work. We get the weeds out. We make sure the soil's soft. If we see hardness in our kids, we, we discern that and we try to figure out through God's grace how to minister to that, how to speak to that. Some, something was going on with my daughter Haven the other day in school. And I, I was, when Shawnee told me, ooh, man, dad, I'm the, bang, bang, yeah, that, that wanted to come out. And I was really mad, I was about to go up there blazing. And I, I got there and, and I, I just felt the Holy Spirit say, calm down, this ain't about your anger, it, it, this is about her. And anger often comes from our own selfishness. And I said, wait, I need to calm down because I, I, I'm going to make this worse. And so I got her in the car and said, babe, I need you to tell me how you feel. Now, half of what she says is coming from fear. She don't want to feel bad. But a good father can discern and untangle that stuff and find out what's really haven. Why? Because I have relationship with her. That's the beauty of intimacy is you get to become familiar with truth. Amen? So I want to stand to our feet tonight. Was this okay?